0: Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab Podcast, where we're going to interview the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Robert. He is the CEO over at Team Support. Thank you so much for being on here today with me. It's a pleasure having you. And to kick things off, Robert, why don't you just tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Uh, sure louise thanks so much for having me on today i really appreciate it Uh, it's always a fun opportunity when you get to talk about my company team support and kind of the background and history behind it so thanks um as you said i'm robert johnson i'm the ceo and co-founder of team support we started team support uh it seems like way back in 2008 so i've been doing this now for 11 years nice um my background before that kind of where the genesis of team Support came from is i was ceo of another software company and we did software for the TV industry. So we controlled playback of commercials, programs, news, graphics, mm-hmm. kind of whatever, yes. at TV stations around the country, or around the world, actually. And it was a really, really small industry, and everybody talked to everybody else. And we learned very quickly that having exceptional customer support and understanding that relationship you have with your customers was absolutely critical to our growth. So really, customer support became uh, a growth driver for us in an industry where everybody talked to everybody else. Sold that company in 2006, uh, lasted with the acquiring company for just over a year and uh, decided you really didn't like working for large companies. Took a year off and uh, kind of collected my thoughts and started Team Support in 2008, really with the idea of taking the uh, things we had done around customer service and customer support for B2B enterprise software companies and encapsulating them into a product. And that's really where Team Support came from. Uh, and it's been an amazing 11 year run and looking forward mm-hmm. to uh, a lot more growth as well.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. In your opinion, what is the most important thing about customer support in the B2B space?
1: I think in either B2C or B2B, it's really about the relationship with a customer. Uh, We do think, uh, and I mean, again, this is what I've been doing my entire career, I'm I'm a B2B enterprise guy, not a B2C guy. And so I kind of look at everything through the lens of B2B. I do think though is fundamental difference between B2B support and B2C support. Think about B2C, it's high volume, low complexity, and low transactional value. So what I mean by that is uh, if uh, I'm a customer of Bic pens, for example, and a Bic pen blows up my pocket uh, and I call customer support and they don't give me a good resolution to that. Uh, and I say, I'm so mad at Bic, I'm never gonna buy a Bic pen in my life again are really not going to care. They lost about three dollars a year annual revenue for me mm-hmm. of that. Um, however, if uh, I'm the uh, if I have a million dollar software contract uh, and I call my vendor and they piss me off and I say, "Well, heck with this, I'm canceling that contract, going somewhere else." Yeah, that could be a very material interaction. So um, the interactions on the B2B side potentially each one of those each one of those customers is worth a lot more to the company. So. Uh, It's a much, much bigger deal for customer support. But also, as I said, on the B2C world, generally it's high volume, low complexity. On the B2B side, generally speaking, lower volume, but higher complexity. Mm -hmm. By the time that somebody reaches out to their vendor with a question, they've already asked their coworkers, they've asked people internally, they've asked their system administrator, um, and they said, well, nobody else internally knows the answer. So I'm gonna go to the vendor and ask them that question. So it tends to be the more complex questions. Um, but you know, there are some similarities, obviously you want to have a good relationship with your client. Uh, you want to make sure you get the issues resolved and track everything down, but there's a lot of really big differences between the two. And that's, again, what we've always focused on is that B2B customer support. That's what we do.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. So when it comes down to the earlier days of the company, right, really talking about growth and, and building out the team culture and everything, what was the most challenging thing in your opinion, as far as, you know, putting this thing together?
1: It's funny. Actually, growth was. Uh, marketing and growth, It's uh, we came from a market that was a very, very vertical market. I could drive to almost any town in the U.S. or in the world, really, and find the biggest antenna, drive to the base of that antenna, and find probably a handful of TV stations and sell to them directly. Uh, back in the day, we had a book and then eventually a database, which had every TV station in the U.S., uh, the people who worked there, I mean, I, I literally had a book with probably eighty to ninety percent of my, my potential customers in mm-hmm. one location. That was great. Uh, the downside was it was a very relatively small market, so there's limited growth opportunity. but we knew exactly who our customers were, and marketing to them was pretty simple. We had two magazines, one trade show, uh, and again, I knew literally where they all lived. So we changed from that, and we're very successful in that market, to the customer support marketplace, which is an incredibly wide, horizontal market. I mean, it it is just mind-dumbingly large how how large this market is. Um, But it's, again, very competitive. It is uh, very horizontal. I can go to almost any company that has a customer, and they're a potential customer of mine. And so we decided early on to limit that market down and, again, really focus on the B2B side. And But it's a different challenge. There is no trade show out there. There is no magazine out there where every one of my potential customers can be. So uh, sorry, long-winded answer. But the, no the early days, the challenge, it wasn't the product. We knew what we wanted to do in the product side. It was really how do we take this amazing product we've developed and let the world know about it and uh, have them come clamoring to our front door.
0: And that was about 10 years ago when you first started the company. So what was the solution to that problem
1: that you were faced with? You know, I'm not sure we've even solved it today. It's something that we can tend <laughs> tweak, we can tend to play with. Uh, I think if anybody says they've solved sales and marketing and they're doing as, as well as they want to do, they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always want to do better. We always want to sell more. We always, always want to introduce our product to mm-hmm. more and more customers. Um, but yeah, I think in the early days, we really didn't have that figured out. We stumbled along. Uh, it was a small team. We didn't take venture early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took our first round of venture in 2014, and then we did yep. a small venture debt round in 2016. Uh, and that really is when we, I think, team support became what we, what we are today. Uh, and really, we put the gasoline on the fire and started growing it. And we hired some marketing professionals that really started to understand the business. We also did a private equity transaction a growth equity round with level equity going back about 18 months ago. And that, uh, again, put another big tranche of capital on the balance sheet and let us expand the team and expand the caliber of people we had right. on board as well. So it's been, you know, as you would well imagine in a high growth, 11 year old company has been a lot of change over the years, but uh, I would say we're still trying to figure out sales and marketing and we probably always will be. And that's right, that's like, you,
0: like you that. said, it's not a thing that you just kind of figure out and then all of a sudden it starts, you know, just, working on its own essentially but I guess the question was like what were some of the things you know for example like you mentioned uh beforehand you had a trade show right so you could just go to that trade show and and showcase a product uh whatever the the case may be There, contact you know uh, or get in touch with people in in the industry would and this is kind of like a more more of a scenario right but would have would it have been viable for team support to then create, right, or start its own trade show in that case to get all those people together into the same spot? Or what were some of the tactics that took place to really start moving the needle, even if it was just a little bit to get that traction going in the beginning?
1: Yeah, and that's something that I think would make a lot of sense. We've seen a lot of people in the horizontal SaaS space start their own conferences. Bluntly, that's ridiculously expensive, uh, and gamble as well. We are actually doing some things with the Association of Support Professionals. We're uh, sponsoring and and hosting their conference this year in March. Um, Mm. So it's not our conference, but we're starting to get more support professionals uh, to be able to hear our message. Right, just
0: get disability out there.
1: Yep. Um, And we've we've done a lot of webinars. We've done a lot of, obviously, direct mail and and traditional, well, I'd say traditional, but traditional digital advertising and digital lead gen. Um, but as, you know, as we said, it's a ongoing evolution. The uh, challenge of getting our name out there is always going to be there, and how we attack it, uh, mm-hmm. I think, well, has been, and will continue to evolve and get better and better over time.
0: Out of those, is there anything that you would say that has worked better than another?
1: You know, I think the thing that really has helped us the most is our ability to deliver an outstanding product and to support that product to our customers. Uh, And we actually pitch that as part of the product is, uh, I've done a lot of presentations and uh, one of my taglines in in presentations is, happy customers equals more customers. It's kind of a simple equation, but if you have customers that like your company, like your product and enjoy doing business with you, They will, in the subscription economy, continue to renew their subscriptions. They will add more seats, in our case, to their subscription. They'll pay uh, pay you more money over time. And frankly, they'll tell their friends and their colleagues Mm -hmm. about your product as well. So we look at customer support and our ability, obviously from a technology platform, but from our company's ability to deliver uh, amazing customer support and amazing relationships with our customers as a growth driver for us.
0: Which is really just word of mouth, right? Like, and it, it, it's always going to be working that way. It's always going to work. With that being said, have you ever thought of, or have you already implemented any sort of referral, you know, kickback to anyone that brings in a customer or something like that? Or is that something you try to stay away from?
1: You know, we try to stay away from that. We, we dabbled with it a little bit, um, but it, it's very challenging to cross a line where our relationship is with the company. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of going back to what we talked about early on. One of the major differences between B2B and B2C is B2C, you're dealing with the consumer who is your entire re- relationship with that uh, person. Mm-hmm. Um, in the B2B world, you're dealing with a collection of individuals, but your ultimate customer is an entity. It's the business. And so it puts us in the referral business a little bit in an odd case where we are asking an employee of our customer to uh, give us a referral and then we're paying them individually as a so who, get, who
0: gets the, who gets the piece. Yeah, really yeah,
1: exactly. Um, and we play with it a little bit. It's just, it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. And we have a number of our customers that specifically prohibit that as well. Okay. Um, I won't mention their name, but there's some large retailers who are very against that mm-hmm. uh, who happen to be our customer. And so we'd have to tread very carefully there. However, um, while we don't do direct referrals for customers, we do encourage our customers to write um, uh, refer write uh, recommendations for us on some various platforms like G2 Crowd and Software Advice and Captera. So if you look at those platforms, we've got a lot of just amazing reviews uh, from our customers talking about how great our product is. Right. And that's been a great word of mouth. It's probably been one of the most uh, powerful uh, word of mouth campaigns we've done with, uh, with those platforms. That's great. What are some of the campaigns that you're currently
0: running? Like, what are some of the marketing, you know, uh, just campaigns overall that you've got going on right now, uh, or that you are planning for the coming future? If you're comfortable,
1: you know. Yeah, I'm manner? I'm comfortable talking about it to the extent that I know about them. Uh, yeah, I'm just the CEO, so uh, there's a whole bunch of things that happen in the company that I don't really know about, uh, mm-hmm. which sounds silly unless you've been a CEO and you kind of understand that it's. Uh, I shouldn't be involved in every tactical decision going on. I just, my role is to hire exceptional people and uh, frankly get out of their way and let them do their jobs. Yeah. So with that being said, I do, I do know we're doing, the, the, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm, the word that comes to mind is traditional, but of course, digital marketing didn't exist really 10 to 15 years ago. But uh, I would call today traditional lead gen campaigns, which would be obviously uh, SEO, PPC, uh, we do a lot with, again, the various mm-hmm. listing sites, places like Juju Crowd, Capterra, Software Vice. Um, those are actually very good lead sources for us. Okay. I don't think I'm telling any dark secrets about that. <laughs> um, we do a fair amount of uh, normal uh, email campaigns. We have a whole PDR team, their job is to go out and you know, essentially spread the word about Team Support and try to get right. people interested in the product. Uh, we do webinars. Uh, we do a lot of content marketing as well, so white papers okay. and ebooks and thought leadership. So it's, um, yeah, I think we're... A good mix of everything. Yeah, a good mix. I don't think there's anything that we're doing that's particularly different. I think there's a fairly set playbook for uh, enterprise SaaS marketing today. And we're following a playbook and just trying to execute really well on that.
0: Nice, nice. To kind of shift gears here a little bit and learn more about really, you know, growing a good team and and really helping them, you know, with not just become better themselves, but also become better as a company... Uh, as a whole, what are, you know, h- how do you look for the right people to start building a company from? And and actually I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on really building a company at the very beginning, right? When you're a couple, a couple years old, you have a small team to, to really ramping
1: things up and, and building more and more team behind you. I got to say that's a, that's a fun question. And it's the right question to ask of probably any CEO that's been successful. Um, and, I've been a software tech CEO for the last 20 plus years. Uh, And I would say the thing that I've done really well at is uh, exactly what you said, hire really, really good people, especially as a company grows uh, in one person. My role is uh, it's much less about doing, and it's much more about kind of being the conductor and setting the overall tone and overall direction. Mm -hmm. uh, And really more importantly, setting the culture for the company. And I'm very big on, Driving an amazing culture here at Team Support, and that allows us to re- attract and retain some just wonderful people that I truly love yeah. working with. Uh, and they put their heart and soul into this company because they believe in what we're doing. Right. And um, you know that setting that culture and then hiring my direct reports that understand and buy into that culture and buy into the product and the vision that we have—it uh, has been a huge part of our success. And to the second part of your question, it is a lot different when we're a three or four person company than when we are as large as we are now. Right. Um, I mean, we've had just ridiculously phenomenal growth. And it's uh, like one of the things that we do is uh, about every month or so uh, myself and one of my co-founders will sit down, my COO, will sit down with all the new people that we've hired and just sit down and talk to them, make sure they know us, make sure they know the story of where we came from and why we started this company and make sure they know our philosophy and values and, um, you know, that's, we are one big family, um, right. All the pros and cons sometimes that come with that, but, uh, that's, yeah, uh, you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head of how to be a successful company is hire amazing people.
0: Right. And as far as, you know, really, I feel like I've, I've been reading a couple of different things regarding culture and, and, you know, where it stands, what people think culture is versus what culture actually is. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Road Less Stupid, but he has some, some good points in there. Uh, but he really talks about, you know, where I feel like culture now is being thrown around as a word of, you know, what kind of perks a company has mm-hmm. instead of the actual culture with like, you know, the people and stuff like that. So how do you ensure that you as a CEO are making sure that a culture is actually being, you know, what do you, what do you even call Like nurtured
1: essentially, right? Uh, in, in a successful way. Yeah. Um, and that's a big worry and concern of mine. It's something that I spend a fair amount of mental energy on is exactly how do we do that? Um, and you're right. Culture can be misinterpreted. It is. Um, we do a lot around benefits and around um, attracting and retaining employees. Um, I mean, you know, dumb stuff. We've got a ping pong table. Um, it's kind of fun. But it's that's not going to move the needle. But it makes our company a more fun place to work. Is that culture? Well, sort of, but not really. Um, we well, I'll tell you the story that I tend not to tell publicly very often. So I'll give you a sneak peek. Um, many years ago, I sat around with we, we do an annual company all company all hands company meeting, and this was many years ago. And there's probably 15 people in the room. The entire at that point, the entire company. Mm-hmm and i we talked about culture and i said i i really want to drive um our culture and want to come up with our values what's important to us and i said to the team i don't want this to be our marketing values i don't want this to be our external values Mm -hmm. Um, because we've all walked through companies and they've said you walk down the hallway and see this big painting you know customer first and all this kind of crap (laughs) and you walk by and you kind of under your breath say well you know um, uh, the word I want to say, I'm not going to say it, but it starts yeah. in the BNS. Um, and it's it's marketing. It's not really culture. And right. so I, said, I want these for us, not for the outside world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we sat for probably a probably 90-minute session. I had a flipboard and went through four pages on a flipboard of all these just spectacular ideas. And I'm going, yeah, I, I agree with all these, but we can't have 40 values in the company. Right. So we, we chopped them down. It took me about a year, actually, these four pieces of paper, a big piece of paper on my desk for about a year. And I finally was able to consolidate them down to three. Uh, and our internal values are three: GSD, which is get yep. stuff done. Um, I'm being polite today. Um, team and do the right thing. DTRT. And I would say everything we do in this company, we re- reference back to one of those three. Uh, for GSD, we're fast moving. We uh, we don't sit there and study it too long. We just get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we move really rapidly, uh, and that's from a hiring standpoint every once in a while we hire somebody who doesn't move real fast and that actually causes an issue yeah um, team i don't think it's uh, i don't think we can have a company called team support and not have team in one of the values right. but that's internally uh, it's the people we work with the people that um, you know we're spending more of our day with than our families but okay. teams also the families their family we understand that uh, we're a high growth uh, fast moving software technology company but we can't burn our people out. It's got to be some balance between work and, and, and home. We try to do that with family, or with team. But also teams are customers. Um, we can't have a company without customers. So team really becomes the customers as well. In the final one, uh, do the right thing, or DTRT as we call it, is kind of the most all-encompassing, but in many ways the most nebulous. But it's uh, we always want to do the right thing, obviously. Always want to be on the correct side of the moral, legal, and ethical side. I shouldn't even have to say that, but I want to say that. Um, But more importantly, we want to do the right thing for the customer. We want to do the right thing for the product. We want to do the right thing for the employees. And that's not always black and white. Uh, There's a lot of times a lot of debate about that. In some cases, the right thing for one group may not be the right thing for the other. So there's not always, again, a black and white answer. But just by the fact that we're asking ourselves, are we doing the right thing? Is this the right decision? Mm -hmm. Are we DTRTing? That helps us make sure we're heading in the right direction.
0: Nice. I love it. Now, a little bit of a follow-up question to that. And, and as far as culture goes too, if you hire a team member, uh, you know, somebody knew that maybe it's not in line with even just one of them. What is the plan of attack in that case? Is, is it, you know, some sort of warning or something like that when it comes down to it, it, it could be something, you know, fundamentally that they just are, it's just not them. So how, how does that
1: look? Yeah, it's a hard question to answer, and I think it varies every case that we come across. Um, you know, are we batting a 1,000 for hiring employees over the last 11 years? Heck no. Uh, we've hired some amazing people. We've hired some not so amazing people. Mm-hmm. We um, They tend to self-select fairly quickly. Uh, we do definitely hire for culture as much as technical aptitude. Mm-hmm. And given the choice, if we have two people that are roughly equal or even one that maybe not quite as good technically, we will generally hire for the cultural aptitude. Okay, um, And what the person who fits within the company, and that doesn't mean we're homogeneous. Um, right. we're, like we've got, um, that's one of the things we reference in the team value, is we value a wide, uh, a huge amount of diversity in the team. I think it makes us a lot stronger there. So that's one thing that, uh, People get knocked for occasionally and say they hire for cultures. You end up with you know, kind of everybody being the same. And that's not at all what we mean by that, nor what we attract. Mm-hmm. But we certainly, you know, have we messed up on hiring support? Yeah. In a lot of cases, that's on us. We hired the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the, the resolution varies greatly. Uh, oftentimes, they will recognize that and kind of self-exit out of the company. Um, other times, they won't. And they will have to show them the door. Uh, and that's some of the hardest things to do for anybody who's ever yeah. hired and fired people. Uh, you know, nobody enjoys That's one of the hardest things we, we ever do. Definitely.
0: Now to shift gears a little bit more into the personal side of, you know, growing a company for multiple, <laughs> for, for, for for a number of years now, right? What has been, again on a personal level, the most challenging thing? Yikes,
1: man. This is getting like psychology interview here. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, Mm. It's interesting. I've really never been um, except for very, very brief periods, never been anything but a CEO. So when I hire my direct reports, I I tease them a little bit and say, look, I'm not housebroken. Um, I know it. And just that's, that's who I am. But uh, at 25, I became a CEO of a small company and just, that's kind of always what I've done. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade the journey for anything. Um, I've loved it and I continue to love it. But you know, the hardest thing is it's you're away from your family a lot. Um, it is can be incredibly stressful. Uh, the weight's all on my shoulders, and um, you know there are certainly days where I'm on the road traveling, and it's a crappy day, and just things aren't going on. My way, I'm going on. This is not fun anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. It's fun, um, and I wouldn't trade it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Just keeps
0: challenging every every day, essentially. Oh right? yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It definitely keeps challenging me.
0: <laughs> what Every once in a while,
1: I think I have things all settled out, and then I kind of go, okay, what did I miss? And invariably, I had missed something.
0: <laughs> totally, 100%. If you could go back to yourself at you know 25 or, or when you just started um, team support here, with everything that you've learned so far, what would you have done differently if you could?
1: God, We don't have enough time for that. Um, as a 25-year-old CEO, I was an idiot. I didn't know what I was doing. The funny part was, I think it helped me. And at at that age, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know how hard the journey is that you're about Mm -hmm. to go on is going to be. You know, there were a whole bunch of times where I just kind of said, screw it, and kept on going, and it worked out. Yeah. But it's uh, in that particular situation. Um, and obviously every situation is different. I don't think you could take me at this age and plunk me into that company and it would have been successful. It would have been a very different journey. Yeah. Um, I was, um, you know, I still am. And I always probably hope it always will be very stubborn and very much of an optimist. And I think mm-hmm. those are, uh, incredibly useful traits for a entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, you know, at that age, I had a lot more, uh, I I could run a lot more sleepless nights. I didn't have a family yet. Uh, and I could do, I could take a lot more risks. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it's an interesting question. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but I think the journey would have been different, but I'm not sure it would have been actually as successful. I think I would have looked at the situation I was tossed into as a 25 year old saying, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm just going to fold up and go somewhere else. And luckily I didn't, it worked out great. And we had a good, 10-year run and eventually a very successful exit out of that company.
0: Good. That's great. Do you have a favorite book, Robert?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I read a lot. Uh, I tend to read fiction uh, in the evenings. I'm not really a huge business book guy. Um, A couple that will come to the top of my head. One I read probably two years ago, A Gentleman in Moscow, uh, an amazing fiction book. Uh, It's about a guy who uh, essentially, gets imprisoned in the—I can't remember the name of the hotel—but one of the very famous hotels in downtown Moscow, and uh, he's imprisoned there, living in a suite, but um, he can't leave the hotel. And it's ah. a description of how Moscow changes over fifty or sixty years, uh, from the revolution through almost the '80s, I think. Um, and it's just—it's a, a fascinating read. Uh, yeah, that's it's very, interesting. Very, very well written. Um, I'm also a big space buff, and uh, I love reading anything about uh, the space program anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my favorite book there was a book called This New Ocean, I think it was. Okay, And uh, it started kind of funny. It starts with the space program talking about Icarus and Daedalus. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it goes back way far, but it was Mm -hmm. uh, one of the first books that was written after the Soviet Union really opened up and we started to understand their space program in the 60s and 70s and understand what was going on um, from the outside world. So. Uh, That's interesting. There. That's awesome. <laughs> two, and, uh, two book recommendations for you. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you online, Robert? Uh, lots of places. TeamSupport.com is our website. Uh, you can email me directly, rjohnson at TeamSupport.com, at TeamSupportCEO on Twitter, um, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm actually pretty easy to find, so lots cool. of different opportunities to track me down.
0: Awesome. And last question, do you have any questions for me?
1: Oh, wow. Um, that's always a classic last interview question. And no, I don't. I wasn't prepared for that one. <laughs> um, I was, I was asked that when I'm doing an employee, a prospective employee interview, I ask that question. And yeah. whenever they don't have a good answer for that, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be that person and say, no, I really don't. <laughs> uh,
0: that works. That works well. I like it. I like the transparency. Uh, well, with that being said, thank you so much, Robert, for being on here today. It was a pleasure having you. Thank and you. It's uh, been a really
1: fun conversation. It's been a great way the cool. afternoon. Thank you.
0: I think so too. And uh, for anyone who's watching, listening, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, do whatever you want, share it with your friends if you liked it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.